Special Agent Dax Lansdale, cell leader. Personal notes, 6th of January, 2009, 1808. Well, it's a good job I don't scare easy. Thanks, Pops. So HQ was running silent after an attack on home plate. Acting Commander Bryony says we should pack up any non-essential operations. But Brooks and I are of one mind. That's exactly what they want us to do prior to this damn conjunction on January 15. They appear to be numerous, well-organized, and very dangerous. I think we tripped across something big here, bigger than we initially understood, and the head honchos are hiding behind proxy puppets being used to achieve their goals. This city is cool in a fucked-up weird kind of way, and I'd we like to keep it that way, especially having heard Chief's version of what might happen down the line if the king manages to ascend. So, for the record, Delta Green, I am taking field command following Anderson's death, and we're endeavoring to persevere. You know, that's what Lincoln told the Aglala Sioux. Let's hope it works out better for us than it did for them. So let's talk about assets. We've got two solid Sterling, reliable cells in action. Walker and Dragonfly. We got Brooks. We got Bernard. And some bunch of informed limeys from an organization called Zeus. Which, when it comes down to it, eh, they're reliable. It ain't too bad. Sure could be a lot worse. Mertikian could be here. I do miss that guy. So, Cell Orker. Pretty much intact. Commanded by Odin. Very competent of a little gung ho. He's a guy after my own heart in a non sacrificial manner. Orker is on a 48 hour RR following their return from Carcosa yesterday. Cell Dragonfly. Well, these poor guys have been through the ringer. Frankly, it's a wonder they're still going. I think I'd have taken the pink slip before now, but just like a good watch, they keep on ticking. State of play. Pierce. Guys on the edge has that thousand-yard stare going on. I fear he might not make it to the big show, but the edge can be a good place to live in times like these. Survival instincts become sharp as a well-honed knife. Chief. Big guy seems lucid if a little bit ragged. May be a problem if supply of Twinkies runs out. Frost. Well, he has a kind of inner calm about him, although the outside looks a little tattered and torn. For a guy who recently had an RPG launched at him, he's in a surprisingly coherent state. Wilmot, ex-Marine, taking it all in his stride. Whoa, Semper Fi. Devereaux. She just reported back this afternoon, having discharged herself from a private hospital a couple of days ago. According to Anderson's notes, she's been through some serious shit and needs to be observed closely. That means desk as much as possible in my language. Matthews. Travis is back from the dead, just like Lazarus. Sure as hell surprised the team that took his body to be dumped into the bayous. I'm a bit unclear as to why Dragonfly decided to do that, but it's a moot point now. Apparently, he did some deal with Stephen Alzies after Chang took him to the club in the Big Apple. 
Chang ran into Alzis during that shredder business in Egypt. At least Travis is upfront about it, but he's another one that'll have to be watched closely. Brooks. He's a little spun out following that interdimensional trip to Carcosa before the fall. Masquerading as a messenger from the Elder God Nodens, he has ingratiated himself in the psychodrama of the court in transition, especially with the high priest, Neo Talba. Brooks maintains that the Carcosans worship versions of the Elder Gods, which makes Hastur, a great old one, a hostile deity, and the events at Carcosa a key battle in the ascension of his pantheon, this all having taken place in human prehistory. However, the creation of the Avatar requires the events of Carcosa to be rerun. Does this then create a window of opportunity for us to weaken the remaining great old ones here in our time? Does the reverse happen if they succeed? Is this the agenda of the hidden masters? It is a distinct possibility, says Brooks. In the absence of other theories, I think we might be on to something. Brooks convinced Neo Talba to translate an ancient text referencing Carcosa after the fall to illustrate the fact that they should be concerned. The version of this document is in their possession, is in the Solano fragments, is however missing a key section. Brooks has established through his bibliographic contacts that copies of the Solano fragments have been disappearing around the world, the last having been bought at auction for a record-breaking price by none other than Victor Steno. Brooks has scried its whereabouts, but has been unable to get a fix, other than the last person to handle it was Django Jones. Jones was connected to Steno through Screech's Cthulhu cult, but traveled to New York City about the same time DuPont did. Both are currently in the wind. We need to find Jones and get that fragment so that Brooks can return to Neo Talba and perhaps stop the events of Carcosa's fall repeating itself. Barnard. I've convinced Nick to hang around and get into the Superdome as a hospitality manager. This is the cover that Anderson arranged through a snitch who owed him a few favors. I have managed to get a close protection specialist in from Treasury, Agent Graham, to watch over him. Dumont. Well, our walking corpse appears to be enjoying an animated existence after death, having definitely been seen in the environs of Ginger's Bar in recent days. The team's attempts to locate her need to continue. I think that's a good job for Devereaux. And me, whilst Dragonfly head off to New York City. I am authorizing the team to do whatever is necessary to find Jones in that fragment. Matthews thinks that Club Apocalypse is the best shortcut to that goal. I would take the man a bit more seriously if his death erection would go down. <laughs>